And throughout all of these season changes, there was just change, cultural change that we went through, right? The songs changed, clothes changed, technology changed, communication styles changed, the size of Pastor Tori's afro changed. Things changed. But God doesn't. And through all of that, we still were somehow, even though our, 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 our hairstyles may have gone from this to that, and we went from singing in hymnals to singing with overheads to singing with computers to all of the things that, that we have experienced over the last number of years, there has been some things that, that and there are some things just like in a personal relationship with, with, with your family members, there are some things that should never change in church, in our relationship, in our community. And so I want to look at some this morning, some of the non-negotiables of, commu- of church community. Some of, some of what, what makes church a church. And I think the, the best place to find them is, is at the beginning of the church, right? It's a good place to start. So today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, where we see the birth of the New Testament church. And um, towards the, the end of, of, of chapter 2, we're given a short description of, of what the church was like. In the, the first part of chapter 2, we have, you know, Jesus has just, just been crucified. He rose from the dead. He ascended, and he tells, the, he tells his followers, he tells them to go and to wait, right? And he, he, he sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them in, in a new way that, like Joel, the prophet Joel talked about, where he, he literally is pouring his Spirit out on all flesh. It was an amazing thing. And in this season, in this time, we see a birth of a new kind of community. And I submit to you that this this new community, there are some things in this second chapter of Acts that are not just a description, but they are a prescription. See, whenever whenever we look at Scripture, there's there's some questions we have to ask. And and, uh, one of the things is, is what I'm reading something that is telling me what happened then? Or is this something that is saying this is what should be happening right now? Because not, not all of Scripture is designed as prescriptional, right? Not everything in the Bible we can, was intended to tell you this is how you, you should live now. Just because that's how they lived then, right? I think we know that. But I would say that this part of Scripture is prescriptional. This is God, God giving us an early example from the beginning of, of the New Testament church of what, what we're to be about, what it looks like to be the church of, of Jesus. And so we're going to pick this up in, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. Say devoted. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. 
So right off the bat in this one verse, and it's going to go on and kind of expand on some of these items, but we see a list here of of what I consider the non-negotiables of church. This is what we are to be. He says they devoted themselves to to the apostles' teaching. This is talking about the the, the Scripture preaching, expanding and, and meditating and understanding the Word of God. Inviting His transformation into our lives through through the preaching and and study of God's Word. And He says, fellowship. It's not just, uh, it's not not like your, 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 uh, your work where we just, we go and we put in our time and we leave. This thing is supposed to be a, a, a real part of our lives where we, we share our lives with each other. We are in each other's lives. It's not just come and punch a clock and go home. And he talks about sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. And this is kind of a, a, what he's talking about here is authentic, God, Jesus-centered connection with each other. The Lord's, the Lord's Supper was, you know, we, we take it together. We, we know it as communion. But it's designed to be sharing a meal, sharing our lives, sharing what the Lord has done, remembering His great sacrifice for us, and talking about how that has impacted us with each other. Authentic, Jesus-centered connection. And last, but, but most certainly not least, he said they were devoted to prayer. This was the life of the early church, and, I, and I, I believe with all my heart, this should be our life as well, that we are devoted, that this, making this little snippet, this little picture look like our lives should be our number one priority. These are non-negotiables. And then if we continue, we, we start to get a, a kind of an expanded picture of what this, what this produces, what this looks like as 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 it flows into in a community. In verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The presence of God was with them in, in such a tangible way. The Holy Spirit had free reign to, to show Himself among them. And it was, it was they, saw, they saw the supernatural happening. They saw the impossible happen. And then in, in verse 44, it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They, they sold their possessions and their property and they shared the money with those who are in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with each other with great joy and generosity. Now listen, I, I've heard this verse You've seen this verse kind of been used to um, defend or, or, or purport a certain political ideology, right? This, that is not this verse, okay? That was not the intent of this verse. The, the, they were not trying to set up a governmental system. They were explaining what it looks like when a group of people are filled with the presence of God and act like Jesus when they're around each other. 
There was no compulsion for this. This wasn't something that was contrived or, or uh, there's an expectation. We, we see a story of that later, um, you know, Sunday school story, although it's one of those Sunday school stories that's really not that kid-friendly, right? You remember Ananias and Sapphira? I remember this. I still remember the song, you know, Ananias and Sapphira got together to conspire, plot to cheat the church and get ahead. They knew God's spirit, but did not fear it. But Peter prophesied it, and they both dropped dead. <laughs> See, when you, when you take the fun little jingle out of it, it's kind of dark. But what did Peter say to them in that? They were, you know, they, 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 they sold some land, and they came, and they tried to pass it off as they were giving all their money. Um, but they weren't, and and. and God spoke to Peter about it, and, and he, he showed them, you know, he kind of called them out on it, and, and the Spirit of God ended up dropping them, dropping them dead, because what did he say to them? It, this is not, this was your money, this was, so you didn't have to do this, because the whole point of, of what they're describing here is this was all being motivated out of a, a spirit of joy and generosity for each other. This is the, the culture that God created amongst them, that they were so joyful, that they were so generous, that everybody was looking for opportunities to serve and meet the needs of everybody else around them. And as they, as they did that, it created a, a resonance, a, a, a building, an amplification of this that spilled out to the community around them. And we need this right now. Our world desperately needs this. Look at in um, verse 47. It says, all the while praising God, they enjoyed the goodwill of, of all the people. They enjoyed each other's presence and, 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 and authenticity and community. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As their joy and generosity expanded out from them, it drew others in. There is a world out there that is in dire need of seeing a group of people filled with love and filled with generosity and the power and the presence of God. They're literally dying to see it. And we have the opportunity to be those people. But we have to, we have to, if we want to get what they got, we have to do what they did. We have to focus on those non-negotiables. We have to become a people that looks like this. That that and it, it's not just about um, it's not just about doing nice things. It's about focusing. It's about spending time in God's presence. About devoting yourself, allowing Him to transform us, and be open and honest enough with each other to have vulnerable, genuine, authentic relationships with each other, so that we are compelled by by Jesus through us to connect with each other and express our love to each other in a way that the world looks at and goes, "What is going on over there?" when we do that, when we live that way, then our testimony becomes something that someone's willing to listen to. Because the life that they see, the community that they see, the things that they see going on is something that they envy. 
Because look, there, there's a group of people. Well, you went there, you, you told them what? They met, they met that need? Really? And when you create that, si- that kind of community, it just be, it has this kind of natural gravity that what happens is the, the people that you're close to that aren't a part of that community, it's real easy for them to get just sucked in because accident, it's almost like on accident. They just kind of, they just, they're there and they kind of see it and before they know it, they're, they're, they're being invited into the process and they're being reached out to and, and they're experiencing great generosity and they're experiencing the love of the community. And initially, a lot of times in those situations, you know, we, we want to lead sometimes with, with truth, right? The, 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 the truth of the gospel. But the reality is, a lot of times, that comes second. A lot of times, it's the experience of experiencing Jesus' love, experiencing his presence that draws people in, that they, allows them to be in a position where they can receive the truth. It's one thing to t- try and explain to someone how Jesus died for them. It's another thing for them to experience sacrificial love first and then, and then when we share the story, then when they, they hear the words, it makes sense. Because for a lot of people, they've never experienced that. So the, the words have, have no, they've got no grip. And so when we live like this, when we, when we ex- sacrifice for each other, when we live for each other, it creates an environment that, that people are drawn to. And we get the chance to share the hope that lies within with them. As we dwell in his presence and, and receive the power of the, of, that comes from the gospel to share it with others, we get transformed. Our goal here is to be a people that are so passionate about joining Jesus in this great renovation project that he's got going on here in the earth that we would devote ourselves to the, the power and the presence of God through the transformation of his word and spending time in his presence, through communing with him in, in prayer and worship, through having intimate, real relationships with each other. And when we do this, we do this so that the Holy Spirit would transform us into people that are so generous and so courageous that it just spills out of us into the world where we joyfully invite others to join Jesus as well and work diligently to restore the brokenness that we see all around us. Our goal is to be people of prayer and worship. Our goal has to be that this place, our community, is a place of transformation, not just information. Our goal has to be that we be a people that are also a platform for reaching out to those that don't yet call Jesus home. This has always been our goal. But I have to be honest, for the last number of years, it's, it's felt like in some of these things we've been limited. Like, kind of like a, like a stock car. 
if there's any racing fans in here. Um, but, you know, there's two big, there's two main kinds of racing. You have open wheel racing where it's like the Indy cars, you know, with the big fan on the back. Um, and those cars, there's basically no rules when it comes to how fast you can make them. Like, you just make a car goes as fast as you can keep it on the track. But then the other kind of cars, the, you know, the ones that just go like this, um, NASCAR, it, those are stock cars, which means they, they put on the engines of those cars uh, a device, a governor, that limits the output. So no matter how hard you press that gas pedal, no matter how hard you, you rev up that engine, it is only going to produce a certain amount of output. And I, 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 I have a, had the sense that, that there's been a, a ceiling like that in our community a little bit, that we can never seem to, to fully punch through. I believe that this, this, this sense, this, this, this feeling of resistance... Um, It has created in, in, in me, and not just me, I know in, in some of you, um, a dissatisfaction. And I want to name that today. It's a, it can be, if we will treat it right, a holy dissatisfaction. The Lord is saying when we get that sense that he has more for us, if we won't settle for what it is that we have. He's saying, don't settle for good when you can have great. I believe Jesus is calling us to a new season. A season of greater devotion to those non-negotiables that will produce a life greater than the one we now experience. And if we will lay hold of it, if we will run after it, I think we could be on the edge of something amazing. Something new, something fresh. Not different just for different sake and not new in the sense that, that we've never or we're not experiencing God now. But new in the sense that just like any relationship, it's different. And when the seasons change, you have to change with them if you want to continue to experience the fullness of that relationship. My son is eight. If I, can, if I still tried to interact with him the same way I did when he was four, our relationship would not have the fulfillment. I would be missing out on so much of the, of the great things that, that are taking place now that he's eight. If I still was trying to treat him like he's four. And so we, Jesus is calling us to an opportunity, a time, I think, an appointed time for a new season if we, will, if we will pursue it, if we will grab hold of it. But grabbing on to something ahead of you always requires that, that you let go of something behind you. It's like when you're on the kid on the, on the monkey bars, Right? Grab that first one. <laughs> Cohen's working on, on his monkey bar skills at the moment. And it's, it's a, you have to learn it, right? You have to learn. Like, you get out and you get those first two. And you want to get to that third one. And that first time, you're kind of like, oh. 
well, that's not going to work. And quickly you realize, well, I'm going to have to let go of something, right? And so you let go, and, and, and usually the instinct is we grab this one. And then now you're, now you're doing the wiggle thing to try and get some momentum going again. And it doesn't, doesn't work. Why? Because if you want to get to that one, you have to let go and swing for the new. You can't just keep grabbing on to the same one because you end up stagnant. Paul says it this way in Philippians. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. You can probably say this verse with me. Forgetting the past and looking, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on and reach to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Letting go of, of the past, past outcomes, past disappointments, past victories. We have to let go of all the things that, that and say that with completely open hands, God, I, I want to receive from you all that you have for me today, in this season, in this coming season. Because the things he wants to put in your hand for that season are probably a lot of times not the things that you needed to have in your hand for the last one. One of the areas that we have always tried to do this in as a community here at Christian Assembly is, is with our resources, specifically the building. And we have, over the past number of years, asked the Lord if, if this was still where he wanted us to be. And we never felt it was the, the right time to pray, make a change or actively pursue anything else. But over the last past year or two, it has been a growing sense that a change was coming. And for the last year, we've been seeking the Lord with, with the elders and the, the pastors, um, and we've come to the belief that the, the time has come to open our hands with regard to the building. The primary reason for this is that when we look at these non-negotiables, the things we really want to do, the things that really matter, the building, while it's been great in this season, it has now become something of a hindrance to those things. We are spending way too much of our time, our energy, and our money on bricks and carpet and electrical bills and rooms to the detriment of our ability to do ministry, to be generous, to reach out to the community. We find ourselves focused, too focused, on how we can best use the building and not enough time to ask the question, how does God want to use us? We are not this building. The church is not the building. Listen, you can, we can, have, you can have church anywhere. Now, to be clear, this is not a reaction to some financial crisis. The, the church is actually, financially speaking, we are in a, the, uh, the best place we have been in years. There's no, there's outside the, the mortgage on the property, there's no debts. We have been steadily um, able to increase our cash reserve and our savings. 
And that's been a blessing. And I think that's part of why now is the time that the Lord is maybe saying this. He's saying, things are good, but will you reach for great? So as a, a part of opening our hands, we've been exploring ideas of what that could look like. We've been asking the Lord to guide us. We've had conversations about what that looks like with the building. You know, we, we even had some conversations with some, some organizations about maybe a really expanding a space sharing in the property. We, we've looked at um, a number of just ideas, just asking, nothing super serious, but We've asked the Lord. That's part of opening your hands to something is also, you know, when you're waiting is not, waiting on God is not a, uh, a passive activity. When you wait on God, you, it, you keep, you ask and keep on asking, what about this, God? What about this? What about this? Lord, I, I hold this up to you. Because that's, that's how you have a conversation, right? So we've been asking those questions. And then about six weeks ago, uh, we got a call out of the blue, un unsolicited, from a, a charter school. They're, they're looking for space in the area and wanted to know if we would consider letting them take a tour and, and have a conversation. And in light of the, the, where we were at, we, we felt that that was, that was a, a no-brainer. We needed to do that. So, so we did. Um, this wasn't on our radar, but it, it, it seemed clear that that, that we should at least have the conversation. So we invited them out, and to, to make a, a long story short, a few weeks later, we received from them a, a proposal um, to purchase the building with a provision in it that would allow us the option to continue using the space for up to three years. This is a very unique situation. You can imagine, typically when, you know, when someone buys your house, they expect you to well, not be there anymore, right? <laughs> and so we, we have, this is, I should say this, this is not a done deal. This is a real possibility and regardless of the outcome this part of this particular possibility, I believe the message from the Lord is clear. I'm doing a new thing. It's a new season. We need to be open to what God has for us coming down the pipe. Like I said, this is, this is not a done deal. And we've, we've wrestled with how, how do you communicate something like this? How do, you, how do you talk about this? How do you, without it getting confusing, because we, we don't have all the answers. But, but we felt now was the time to bring, bring us all in on it so that we can be praying, so that we can be starting to, to wrap our minds and our hearts around pursuing something new with Jesus. Now, for some of you, this may feel, feel jarring, um, out of the blue maybe, and um, you know, may feel like, oh gosh, this, this could be happening really fast, and um, I'd just like to say, uh, nobody feels that more than, than me and Pastor Tori. <laughs> I think especially uh, if, if, if you've been here for more than, more than a few months, you know Pastor Tori. And, and, and impetuous and, and, and impulsive would not be words you would ever associate with him. 
the, and the thought of calling another home, place home or, or making a major change may, may seem un, unsettling. And I can just say personally, I, I've, I've wrestled, I do wrestle with this myself. I love this place. I, don't, I will take the Pepsi challenge against anyone of who has logged the most hours on this property. There is not an inch of this building or this property that I don't have great memories. Most of my memories, if you took all the memories that I could scrounge up out of my brain, more than half of them would, this would be the backdrop. This would be the context. And it's been great. And I don't know how this, this, this the details of this story end. Is this, is this really the, the, the hand of the Lord, or is this one of those, you know, Abraham and Isaac on the, the mountain, you know, go up and sacrifice Isaac, <laughs> you know, we're, go, we're going up the mountain, but God has an, another plan? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I know, though, that we're going to follow him and see where, where we end up, because that's where I want to be. I don't care if it's 4099 Car Road or... or you know, three planets past Mars. If, if God's saying, this is where I want you, that's where I want to be. Because where he is is where abundance and joy and, and life and, and ministry and, and impact reside. And so my, my challenge to us this morning is, is simply this. There's a new season coming, and, and get ready. <laughs> and that's not a, a harsh, uh, ominous get ready. That's a, that's a get ready. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun if we can embrace the fact that God, God has chosen to do something new and fresh in our, in our midst. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Troy up. He had a, a few things he wanted to add to this, of course, um, but I want to say this, when, when, while he comes, when God leads us to new things and new seasons, it, it can be scary, but it is worth it. There is nothing better than following Jesus into uncharted, uncharted waters. Seeing him provide, seeing him, it, the experience, the joy of, of being in a place where you're like, I don't know where this next step is going. <sighs> We're good. If you, if you really want to know God's faithful, you have, to be, you have to put yourself in a position or he will choose to put you in a position where it requires his faithfulness. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I know. Breathe. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this moment, knowing where we're going, the direction, and, and, and by the way, that was a great word from the Lord. That was a great teaching from the Word of God. <laughs> and things were going so well, right? We're in the book of Acts, and we're we're talking about us and the church and the Holy Spirit moving and the dynamic and the generosity. And then suddenly he just sort of took a left-handed turn. 
we didn't mean to catch anyone by surprise, and I, and I get it. I understand it, and there's nothing you may be thinking or feeling or will think or feel that, that I haven't. Um, this, isn't, this is no longer normal. We came to church, and we expected it to be normal. You know, we do what we normally do, and then suddenly there's this piece of information. There's this new thing that's not normal. Um, as a sidelight, we should never treat God or the things of God as normal. Okay? Just, that's just for free. But when we hear things like this, I, I get it, and I share in those things. There's, there's an awkwardness. There's a, when we hear things that, that are unfamiliar, unknown, unexpected, when we hear things that raise more questions than, than give answers, those are those are awkward moments and they raise emotions and they raise, you know, all kinds of things inside of us. And I, and I want to try, I want us to minimize, I want us to understand it, it's normal, but to also minimize it. There's a, there's a problem, as you look in scripture, and it happens in our personal lives too, it, this kind of moment is, is somewhat the nature of suddenlies. You know, in Scripture, there's always there's all these suddenlies that, that come upon um, the people of God. There's all these suddenlies that, that unfold in the Scripture. Um, and, and God has this history that we can track in his word of, of suddenlies. He seems to move that way. He seems That seems to be part of his M.O. that he moves in these suddenlies. You know, everything is nothing, and then suddenly God says light, and, and there's light. You know, suddenly um, rain falls out of the sky for the first time ever. You know, suddenly there, there's manna laying on the ground every morning that will satisfy and feed millions of people for a, a number of years, suddenly a Red Sea opens when there was no escape. Suddenly a giant falls dead at the hands of this little shepherd guy that is scrawny and small. And when the armies were just sitting paralyzed, you know, suddenly this young virgin girl is, is pregnant. Suddenly angels hear or, or shepherds hear angels singing. Suddenly magi, wise men in the east, see, see this star they've never seen before. Suddenly there's this man walking the earth, and everywhere he goes, he's opening blind eyes, and he's making deaf ears to hear, and he's doing all these signs and wonders and, and mighty acts of miracles, and he's preaching this message that they haven't heard yet before. And then suddenly, as he gathers his disciples and followers, they come to a point where suddenly these disciples watch their Messiah be arrested, charged, sentenced, crucified. Suddenly, this Messiah who they saw die and they buried suddenly appears in a room where they're gathered and he didn't come in the door. Suddenly, they're on the hillside and and their risen Messiah, the resurrected Christ, is speaking to them, and they watch his feet leave the ground, and he ascends into the clouds. A few days later, they're gathered 
confused, fearful, but still standing in faith. And suddenly, they hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly, they look at each other and they see flames of fire. Suddenly, they recognize that they're speaking languages that weren't their own. Suddenly, the community is giving testimony to what's taking place. Suddenly, they recognize they have this inner power and strength they didn't have before. Suddenly, God moves by suddenlies. And I believe this is one of those moments, even though to us it feels suddenly, which makes it feel different. See, in, in reality, if you, if you look at Scripture, what appeared in the moment to be suddenly, if you really look at it in the larger context, it's really not suddenly. It's really fits within the context of what God had been doing or saying and planning all along. You know, the Bible uses a phrase, the fullness of time. You know what the fullness of time is? That's a suddenly moment. But it's not suddenly to God. It's only suddenly to us. It's that moment where God chooses to reveal something to us that he has been planning and preparing and that he has been a part of before the suddenly before he chose to let us in on what he was doing. See, suddenlies always have a background. And our suddenly today has a background. Pastor Jeremy mentioned some of those things. It's, it's, this isn't done in a vacuum, um, and it's not done just instantaneously. He's right, I am not an impulsive person. I, I am, I'm the guy who's gonna kick the tire one more time. I'm going to ask the one more question or the same question one more time. And this has a background. This has a fullness of time that, you know, p parents, you understand suddenly moments that you, know, you remember those moments where where suddenly you recognize that your wonderful, beautiful little infant isn't an infant anymore. There's that moment where you recognize, no, they're they're like a full toddler now. They're talking and they're walking and it. But you have that, and you've known it, you've seen the process, you've watched it, you've helped it unfold, but there's that suddenly moment, right? Where you recognize it, you know? And then they're 10 years old, and in school, and then they're graduating, and then they're going to college, you know? Then they're getting married. And you have those suddenly moments, but there's always history. There's always the background that brought that moment about. In the passage, Pastor Jeremy mentioned, we've been praying about this as, as church leaders for, for a while and discussing it. And up until this point, our conversations have largely been more of a wonderment than they were a, a specific direction of what to do or where to go or if to do or if to go or make choices. They were more of inquiry. We're inquiring of the Lord. But I'd have to honestly say, until recent, there, there didn't seem to be any movement from God. There didn't seem to be any stirring of the water from God. And so we've been in that, we've been in that place. And then in the last couple of years, it, it got a little more. It, it made me at least wonder, is God up to something? We had conversation with it. A, a, another Christian organization about sharing space, about doing ministry together. There have been great complementary and supplementary um, opportunities there. It would have been a very unique thing. But the conversation never got very deep. It was always very surfacy and casual. And, and then 
ultimately, the, the other group just felt that the timing wasn't right for them. And so those conversations have, have been concluded. In the last 10 years, at least, um, I know just in my own life, and I haven't really shared this with many people, and recently I've, I've shared it with, with the elders, but there's been a growing, um, for lack of a better word, a burden inside of, of my heart, specifically, um, not, not specifically related to the property, but to the mortgage on the property. I, I, can I tell you this without you thinking bad of me? I hate our mortgage. I love the facility. I love that God has provided for every dollar, and we've always been current, and, and some of you even contribute, and we, we send those monies in. We pay ahead um, against the principal, but I hate the mortgage. I hate seeing that check go out of principal and interest because those are ministry dollars that we're just sending to a bank. Those are dollars we could be doing some of the things and resourcing and funding some of the things that are about our father's business, but because of the indebtedness. And then in light of where we are and where I am personally, I have more than just something I've created. I believe a burden from the Lord that I don't think that my generation, okay, if you're my generation, you self-identify. I'm not even going to, but my generation we created the debt. I think it's our responsibility to take care of the debt. And I've been asking the Lord, say, God, I don't know how it could happen. I don't perceive one way that this could happen, but I do not want to pass debt onto the next generation. I don't want the next generation to have to deal with, with the thousands of dollars every month that it takes just to pay for a building. I'd rather that that be gone so that they're in a better position. Remember the time in Scripture where David did everything he could before to set up Solomon to succeed? I think every generation has that responsibility. We know that. We do it in our families. We do it in our personal lives. We do things, make choices to do our best to set up our children for success. Everything that we can. Well, I think the spiritual community has a responsibility to do that as well. And I've just been praying that pretty much just to myself. I never felt a strong urgency to, to, to make it public. I never felt a strong urgency to say, hey, let's do, a, let's do a capital gains campaign and let's, you know, let's, over the next five years, reduce the thing. They entered my mind. I never felt a release from the Lord to do that, but I have carried this burden and I've, I've been seeking the Lord. Is this an answer to that? I don't know. I'm not saying that, but it makes a, curios a, a curiosity inside of me. We're here at this suddenly moment and we have to respond to it. And I pray we can respond properly. This, this suddenly moment for me, and for some of you actually, because you've been part of the journey long enough, this suddenly moment feels uncomfortable but not unfamiliar. There was another time in our history where we, we had a church building and we were gathering and we had a great congregation, still do, but it was a great congregation. We have great services. We loved being together and, and we were just enjoying and, and we were debt free and we had no, no real problems or concern except Pastor Sam had a wrestling in his heart because he looked at the congregation and, and he didn't see increase, ministry increase, not just numerical, but he didn't see ministry increase. And he, he heard from the Lord and 
brought to the congregation a suddenly. And the suddenly was, we have this wonderful building we love that we've, we've built, we've paid off. We're not going to meet here anymore. We're going to go into rented high school buildings. And, and we're just going to do church there. And it was uncomfortable, and it was hard. And I remember 5.30, 6 o'clock every Sunday morning driving my car and, and hooking up a trailer. And we did, we did pop-up church before it was a thing. You know, now they call it pop-up church, church in a box. You know, there's all these catchy phrases that, that some of the younger, we did it long before they were born. My, my thumb hit it. It turned it off. Am I back on? Hello? Hello? Oh, can you hear me? There we go. Okay. church and so I understand these moments they don't bother me because everyone knows that the devil resides in every sound system in a church but <laughs> so we rebuke him and keep going but we moved into a church building or into a school building and rented every Sunday morning while we had a beautiful paid off building just a few miles away. And in all honesty, the suddenly was too much for some people. And they couldn't bring themselves to come to the church building. If we did other things back at the building, the regular property, they came. But they couldn't come to the school. And there's some folks in this room that I know, they were part of that. They were part of the crowd that got it. And are excited. And they did the work. And they put in time and as a result during those years we made measurable growth every year expanded ministry not just numbers of people but expanded ministries came out of that decision and then the Lord graced us to be able to build here so we met in high schools until we actually moved onto this property and had we missed the suddenly we would have missed the move of God. And that I'm not willing to sacrifice. That I'm not willing to risk. Knowing full well, when churches go through these kinds of changes, there's, there is a potential. I'm not accounting on it and expecting it, but there's a potential, there's a risk of missing people because they don't see it. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them or it doesn't line up with what they 
think is right or proper. And, and I can't, I don't know how to stop or prevent that. I'm just inviting all of us to be a part of what God is doing because God is doing something. I can't give you all the details, but God is doing something. So here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that we personally, individually, every one of us, let's make sure that we don't miss or mishandle this moment. Even though it's new, even though it's awkward, even though it has questions that you don't know all the answers to, let's not, I, I do know this, God's in it. Am I saying I think God is going to make this thing come about where we're going to say, I don't, I don't know that. And I'm doing everything in me to not run ahead of God. And I'm not making plans in either direction or making final decisions. This is going to be God's decision. It's going to be his choice, and he will let it be known to us. I'm asking you to choose to act and speak in faith and love, not fear and doubt. Not worry or concern or anger. You know, we don't always choose our circumstances, but we always choose our attitude. We always choose our response to the circumstance. And even if it feels weird or strange, even if initially you feel like, I, I don't think that's God at all. I don't believe. Before you form your and settle your opinion, let's, let's attack this thing just with faith. Let's be open to the fact that God could even move outside of our opinions or our preferences even. I'm asking you to pray. Pray for courage, boldness. Pray for each other. Pray for discernment. Pray that his will override our will, that, that we can't choose against him. Whichever he would choose, whatever he desires, that he would open doors that we can't close and he would close doors that we can't open. I guess as pastors and elders, I'm saying this, we're, we're inviting you to take this adventure with us, to walk through this adventure with us. There's, there's nothing bad about this moment. There's nothing bad with awkward moments or new information or unknowns. There's nothing innately bad because it was unexpected or because... The end result at this point in time is uncertain. That doesn't make it a bad thing, but it does make it an opportunity. And it does make it an op a, a moment that challenges our faith. And that's a good thing. Because faith only grows when it's challenged. Faith only grows when it has to be put to, put to the task of being. And God is calling us. He's privileged us by giving us this opportunity to exercise faith. To call upon him, to trust in him, to rely in him. I know this. God's up to something. Okay? That there's something on God's mind. I can't tell you exactly what it is. Is it this offer that we've been given? We don't know. Time, time's going to tell. But even if that went away, it doesn't change the fact something's on God's mind for us. Something's on his mind. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think God heard Pastor Jeremy make that announcement and he sat in heaven and said, what? <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. I don't think God's saying, what do you mean property, no problem? What is it? I think God sent 
that group at this time with this opportunity. It doesn't mean we're selling or not selling. I don't know. I, I think God has presented and brought this to us. It's, it's within his purview. And whether he sent it or he allowed it, he's in it to accomplish his purpose. There's a purpose that God has in mind. And our role now by faith is to walk it out to discover what that will is. Because he won't hide it from us. He won't keep it from us in his time. Because the growth is in the struggle. The growth is in learning and discerning what it is God is saying. But trust me, this is, God is in this thing for our good, for his glory, for our God. Good, God is in this thing. And, and I want to find out what's on his mind. I hope you do too. And I challenge all of us, don't make up your mind until you find out what's on his mind. Is that a good piece of advice? If, in knowing the will of God, don't make up your mind before we find out what's on his mind. And then we'll bring our mind in line with what he asks of us. What can we do practically? I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to, ideally, if, if you have a, a phone where you can set an alarm, if you have a, a, a watch that you can set an alarm, set you an alarm for every day at noon, right at noon, five after, whatever. If you're scheduled, you know that, no, there's a better time in the day where I can take a couple minutes and just disappear. Set it for that. But in general, if you can't, set it for noon. And every noon, as a church, we're going to just take a few minutes. Wherever we are, we're just going to stop, and we're going to commit this to the Lord. We're going to commit it to the Lord. And even if, even if you have to pray like Jesus prayed, because I've, in all honesty, I've prayed this, not the exact words, but the same sentiment. God, if you can take this cup from me. <laughs> Nevertheless, see, don't stop the prayer there. It's not about my will. God, your will be done. So I'm asking you to do that as a church, that at noon, or at least find, if it doesn't work for you at noon, then another time where you're just going to take a couple of minutes. You know, if, if you're at work at your, right at your lunch break, or you can just take a break, or go somewhere where, you know, you're, you're not around other people, take a few minutes and just seek the Lord. I, I, I challenge you to guard your conversation. We're very good at, at Jumping to conclusions, we're very good at making assumptions and filling in blanks that we don't really even know the answers, if they're the right answers, and then acting on them. So guard your conversations. And, and uh, here's a piece of advice, that, that uh, a couple pieces. Number one, take these two words out of your vocabulary. They and them. Out of your vocabulary. When we're asking God, when we're talking to each other about this situation... There's no they and them. There's only we and us. Okay? And then here's the second piece of advice that will help aid in maintaining that first piece. Anyone you talk to about this, pray with about this. Because you can't gossip and invite the presence of God into the conversation at the same time. And if you can talk to somebody about it, then you should feel comfortable in that conversation. Say, you know what, let's stop right now. And let's give it back to God. Let, and if you can't do that, don't talk about it. 
because you're opening yourself for the enemy to get a little wedge and foothold in your heart. And I'm serious about that. I think that's wise advice. I hope you'll take it in the spirit in which it's given. Ask the Lord, what's your assignment? This is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, according to Scripture, every part has a part. And you have a part. So ask the Lord, God, what's my assignment in this? I don't want to just be on the sidelines. This is us. I want to have a part to play. Along with praying. Along with trusting. Along with good conversation. Encouragement. What, what's my part? What can, I, what can I help with? What can I lead in? And then I would say this. You, you're going to have questions. I mean, that's just natural. I have questions. I would give this piece of advice or ask this of you. If you have a question, ask the question to somebody who might have an answer. <laughs> Listen, I've been around this thing a long time. And I know what we do. I've done it. We ask questions of one another, and I'm ask, I ask a question to somebody who doesn't know any more than I know. And somehow in our conversation, we'll create an answer. Right, so if you, have a, if you have a valid question, that's valid. That's real. But ask of people who can give a true, accurate answer so that you move from that moment with truth. So come to leadership. Come to one of the elders. Ask. A, we're not afraid of questions. And if we don't know the answer, because there's some things you could ask me right now, I don't know the answer to. And I'll simply tell you, let's pray about that. We're talking about it. Let's pray about it because I'm, I'm unclear still myself. So let's, let's pay attention. Uh, Lilia, why don't you come? We're going we're gonna to close this thing. I believe if, if we'll respond to this suddenly in the character of Christ, then three things are going to happen. First of all, God's going to be glorified out of your life and out of my, our life. Secondly, we're, we're going to honor and build up each other. And, and thirdly, his kingdom is going to come and be advanced through us. His kingdom is going to come and be released among us. His kingdom is going to come be manifested. The, the, the script of non-negotiables, Pastor Jeremy talked about, we're going to see those, not that they don't exist here, we're going to see them blossom and bear even more fruit if we'll respond to this suddenly in the character of Christ, with the Christ who lives inside of us. And if that's our united prayer, and if that's our united behavior, if that's our united response, then to take a scripture out of and apply it here, then anything we imagine to do, we'll be able to accomplish. Because we're walking in the steps of the Lord. I, I think you know that I love you. I think you know that I don't come to these kinds of moments in time just haphazardly. And I'm asking you to, to walk with me and with us and journey with us because this is a God moment. This is a God suddenly. However it turns out, this moment, 
It's about how we handle this and trusting God now to give us the next step. Sometimes he only gives us a word at a time. Let's not miss it. Let's press in. He doesn't keep secrets either, but he has a timing. And with full confidence, it may happen quickly. It may happen over a period of time. He may, he may shut it down. And, but I do know this. We're on a path. He has something in mind. And it's going to call something out of us. We're, we're going to sing a song. And, and can, can we do this? Not only stand. And I know we're, we're you know, COVID is here. Ooh, COVID is here. And we've made a lot of adjustments. But I, I think we can do one thing without making anyone nervous. You know, we haven't had people gather around the altar for over a year. So here's what I'm going to ask. During this closing time of worship, and then we're going to pray together. I, I, I want you to the level that you feel comfortable and, and that it's appropriate for you. I, I want to have an altar call. All right? Social distance. Do whatever you have. But don't be where you are now. Okay? So, so that's an altar call. Don't be standing where you are sitting right now. So let's all stand. And, and as Lilia begins to, to lead us in this last chorus, move. Go somewhere. And in that, we're responding to the Lord saying, we belong to you. We are your church. We are your people. And we're here to hear from you. And we thank you for the privilege of giving us this opportunity. The great and no, we're feeling. 